0: That with God, you have to expect the unexpected. Last week of the Unexpected uh, series, and I'm glad that you're here for this. And I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed putting this together for you and hope you've enjoyed hearing it. I do want to mention one thing since we just showed the video. We've got 22 Bibles, unless somebody got one uh, before, before the, the service started. Uh, we got 22 more Bibles that we need to uh, purchase to provide. This is our Christmas missions project this year. We're providing for uh, new discovery clubs and elementary schools. And I, it just hit me just a, a few weeks ago when somebody asked me what it was about. And I said, you know, this, it's really kind of a way we're putting the Bible back in school. It's after school hours, but these kids are hanging around, uh, first through sixth grade are hanging around uh, for Bible clubs. And we're, uh, Church 2911 is putting 50 new Bibles and 50 new clubs uh, across, across our area. And so see Shannon after service if you've got any questions about that. And uh, we're we're excited, we're excited about choosing this as our Christmas missions project. But our goal was fifty, and I I think I counted twenty two Bibles still sitting on the table yesterday. So that means we still got a way to go. And today was the deadline. This was the day that we needed to wrap this up. So please help us help us wrap this up today. And if you've not go get a Bible, and they'll help you, and you can put it under the tree, and it'll be your gift to a, to a club to a group. You know, don't just think about it as a club, but your gift. To a, a second grader, third grader that uh, needs to know about Jesus Christ. Glad that you're here. Uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message this morning. We're gonna be talking about the mother of Jesus, Mary and uh, some unexpected things that happen uh, around Christmas Father I love you and thank you God for uh, the blessings Lord that you've given to us Lord to enable us to bless others I thank you God for uh, Lord this past week how you've enabled the church God to reach out in so many different ways in so many different areas God and now through the discovery clubs and, and reaching all these kids Lord just by providing a bible for a club for someone to use to teach God for Lord for the opportunity to bless families that are struggling this Christmas for opportunity to help somebody God, that's God really, really in a hole right now. God, thank you, Lord, for all of that, and I just pray, God, that you now this this is our our time, God, for just a little bit of nourishment as we pull up around the table, God, that uh, that you have spread for us this week, as you've been preparing for us the, the the dinner, the meal, Lord, that we have, and I pray, God, that you would just uh, pour it into us and help us help us eat from, help us help us embrace it, God, help us take it in, and I pray, Lord, that that uh, we have. We don't just have a great Christmas day, but God, we start having a great life, a great future. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, so we've talked about Rahab, we've talked about uh, Ruth, and so today we're going to talk about another. There's actually five ladies that are mentioned in uh, the genealogy of Jesus. We only had three weeks, so we had to pick three. And uh, so we we, we took these three that that are mentioned by name. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 16 of, of the book of Matthew... Uh, Here's the part of the genealogy where Mary is mentioned. Jacob begot begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Forty men are mentioned in this uh, genealogy. Only five women, but there are obviously 40 women there also. Forty moms, we kind of mentioned that, even though there's only five women mentioned. Four of them by name. But of all the 40 men and women, you know, like the one, the very last one, the one closest to Christ... Is Mary, and and, you know, and I think, well, that's that's just the way it kind of works out. Well, no, it's it's all about think about the 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 closeness to Christ. I I mean, you know, Ruth wasn't very close to Jesus. She never she never met him, not on this earth. You know, so Mary was the closest, and even closer. And I know you know this. It's got to be. You know, moms are closer to their kids normally than dads are, and so Mary was probably closer in a lot of ways to Jesus than Joseph was. She was closer to, to, to him than anyone else in this in this genealogy. But the, the unexpected thing about about her being, I mean, you know, sitting on this end of it, looking back at it, and we see Mary, and we see uh, the things that she said to Jesus when he was 12 years old. We see the things that she said to him when, uh, you know, when he was in ministry and she was trying to get him to you know, take a rest. We see her there at the cross, at, at the foot of the cross, and we see him, see her there, and her care for him, and all that. We see all these things, and we can look back at her. and We say, "Man, it's just obvious why God chose her." But let me tell you, this was this was really unexpected the way God did this thing. And and uh, you know, the the video that we have used to set this up every week. We we mentioned a few of those things because, you know, really, I, I mean. I could preach for months about the unexpected things that happen around the birth of Christ and then how they relate to unexpected things that we have happened to us, but also the unexpected things that we need to happen to us. And with Mary, I look at her and say, you know, I can look back and say, yes, she she was the perfect mom, but if I had been there and I had been choosing, she's not the one I would have chosen. Now, she, she wasn't like Rahab. Now, Rahab had a lot of sin in her life. She wasn't like, a, you know, as far as we can tell, she wasn't, you know, Mary wasn't a great sinner. She didn't have a whole lot of of, of, a, of a past and an ugly, ugly nature about herself. But she also wasn't like Ruth. Uh, Ruth, who uh, w- was an alien, she wasn't a Jew. Mary was a Jew. So, she, you know, I'm not saying that she's unexpected in those ways, but, you know, really, if you were thinking about it, uh, what kind of mother would you choose for Christ, you know? you kind of would think, you know, maybe need to be somebody that had at least enough money to uh, buy their way into the inn that night and not have to have a baby in a stable, right? I mean, you'd think that you'd, you'd want somebody, I mean, if you were God and you were sending your son to be born here on the earth, you think you would put your son in the hands of some people that had enough money to take care of him, you know, and not have him spend his first night laying in a manger covered with, you know, sheep slobber and a donkey slobber, and whatever else, right? I mean, that's what you would think, wouldn't you? Or, or at least somebody maybe with a name and reputation enough that when Joseph knocked on the door, you know, and, and said, uh, you know who she is? You, you need to let it, that, the innkeeper would let her in. I mean, so, some riches or fame or something like that, but she was just a nobody. You know, but one of the things that I've spent the last two weeks trying to tell you is God doesn't care about anything. Now, there's no way, I've got so many unexpected things I want to say to you, there's no way we can put them all up on the screen. There's just too many of them. But that's one of them. God didn't care about any of that. One of the, the first thing I told you the first week, the first thing I told you the second week were these things, is God doesn't care about your past, and he doesn't care about your present. All he cares about is what you're going to let him accomplish in your future. What he's going to let you, help you become, what you're going to allow him to help you become. That's what God cares about. He cares about what he's going to build you into. He cares about what your your future is going to be. He cares about the hope and the promise, all the stuff that he has put inside of you, and that's what we find here in Mary too. I don't find a great sinner. I I, I don't find somebody who doesn't understand, uh, you know, the the, the the law of the land and the, uh, you know and being in the family. But I find somebody who just, you know, in a lot of ways, just say, really, Mary, why Mary, why Mary? Let's look at just a a few things here. And one of the things we find out is we find out from from the angel who spoke to Joseph, okay? One of the unexpected things, and uh, it's in uh, verse 21. It says, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was Joseph who, uh, when he found out that his betrothed wife, uh, the one he was engaged to, he found out she was pregnant. When he found out she was pregnant, you know what he wanted? Hey, this was unexpected to Joseph as well. Can I tell you? I mean, if you were engaged to somebody and you knew that you guys had, you know, you had saved yourself from marriage, you hadn't been together, and then all of a sudden you find out she's pregnant, I mean, what kind of thoughts go through your mind, guys? And these were the thoughts that were going through his mind. And so he was beginning to think, oh, well, she's had relations with somebody else. And so he's going to put her away, he's going to do it secretly. He's going to put her away, and he's not going to marry her. And an angel comes and speaks to him in the middle of the night and says, she's going to bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. This is, you know, this is totally unexpected. He's going to save his people from their sins? Here's the first unexpected thing I want to tell you this morning. is your whole life was God's idea. Your whole life was God's idea. Everything that, that, that is happening to you that is good was God's idea. Now, I, I guess I've got to qualify this a little bit because if we back up to Rahab, when we think about what Rahab was, Rahab was a prostitute. Was that God's idea? No. That wasn't God's idea. But, but, but look at what was God's idea. The prostitution, the sin that was in her life, that wasn't God's idea. But his idea of redemption and giving, regardless of the past, giving her a future, that was God's idea. And look at the beauty of it. That that every time she committed a sin, every time she dug the hole deeper and deeper in her life, the depression and everything going on around her, and then finally going into prostitution, maybe even running a house of prostitution. We called her in that first sermon, we called her the Madam of Jericho. You know, know, just as, as far down, every time she went deeper and deeper, you know what it meant? It meant that God had to have more grace. He had to have more mercy. He had to have more love. He had to have more power. It meant he had to pull her up even more. You see, and so whatever God's plan is for your life, it doesn't matter how how bad it's been. He's committed to doing this thing for you and in you and through you that he has planned all along. Yeah, your life has been planned. Your life has been planned. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if Rahab had just continued on. No, it doesn't mean that. Hang on with me here. We'll get to that in just a moment. But your life has been planned all along, or, or, or like Ruth, you know, Ruth, you know, she had a lot of loss in her life. She became, a, she was a lonely person, I mean, her, her husband was dead, she ended up just coming back with her mother-in-law to, to Judah and, and living there and without anybody that she knew except this mother-in-law that she'd only known for a few years. Loneliness, was that God's, loneliness wasn't God's plan. The, the the emptiness in her life because she was now a widow at a young age and she didn't have any children she didn't have any family to speak of no one was going to care for her in her old age, but out of this emptiness, God's plan took that God's plan was for her to have a great life for her to be in this genealogy that we've been talking about for the past three weeks that was God's plan for her, and, and, and when her husband died, you know what that meant that didn't mean that the plan was over, that, come on somebody, somebody that's in, in your life you're looking at your life and you're thinking. God's plan, I, I mean it just can't be what it was gonna be. No, it can be even greater. Because every, when when the husband died, you know what that meant? That meant God had to work a little harder. When she when she left all of her family and she, she followed her her mother-in-law to Judah, that just meant God had to work a little bit harder. When she was out gleaning in the field and she was just she was just a day laborer. I mean, she was out there just just working and toiling and sweating like anybody, you know, nobody's special. That just meant God had to work that hard. Are you seeing the picture here that no matter no matter where you find yourself it doesn 't matter. all of us across this room today, no matter how bad it has been and how bad it is right now today God is committed. God is committed to making his plan work in your life if you 're willing to jump in here with him and do it he 's willing to do that he 's been planning your life since before you were born he 's been planning your life and mary I mean you know when she left, she had to Nine months pregnant, you know, and we assume nine months pregnant because it says that the days, you know, uh, her days had come. So we assume that, you know, Jesus could have come just a little early. It could have been a little premature. I mean, after after a donkey ride for, uh, you know, quite a few miles, I mean, you women can understand, yeah, I can see her going into labor a little early here. But she was probably close to, if not nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant, they get word that they've got to go to Bethlehem. Caesar has required everyone to go to Bethlehem and be counted. For a census, so that he can apply a tax. She finds us out, and so she has to leave. And think about it, moms. Those of you who are moms and those of you who are pregnant, think about it. I mean, you've been planning the birth of this baby, right? You've got the nursery all decorated, and you're thinking about mom being there and grandma being there, and you're thinking about how, how proud Joseph's going to be walking out with that baby and showing it to everybody. And, you know, you're thinking about all this. And all of a sudden, you find out right before the baby's born, you've got to make a trip to Bethlehem. And we're not talking about like today, get in a car, drive a couple hours, turn around, come back tomorrow. We're talking about she knew this baby's probably going to be born, and nobody's going to be here. Nobody. My mom's not going to be at my side. My grandmother's not going to be at my side. Every, 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 all the plans, all the, all the beauty of what this thing was going to look like and going to be is going to be gone. But what is God doing? God still got a plan, doesn't he? And so you know, you know, what, you know what she had to do? She had to, she had to see that God's plan went beyond, went beyond all of the disappointment that she had in her life. God still had a plan for a great legacy in her life. And he has a plan for a legacy in your life, too. You know, uh, whether you're 60 years old and you've made so many mistakes, you cannot possibly believe that God's got a plan for you. Or if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you, you cannot see yet that God's got. I tell you, God's got a legacy that he wants to bring to pass in your life if you will allow him to do that. Let's look back. The verse right before verse 21 that we read. Let me show you a little bit more here. It says, while Joseph thought about putting Mary away, you know, kind of ending this betrothal, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something else unexpected. You may think, you may think, you may think, you may expect that the answer to all of your needs, the answer to all of your problems... It's going to come by, you know, working a little harder. Showing your boss you got what it takes. Spending a little extra time burning the candle at both ends. You may think that it's going to be be, if I can just be twice as holy tomorrow as I am today, then it's all going to work out. But can I tell you, it's not in you to bring the unexpected to your life. But the unexpected is going to come to your life because of Jesus that is in you. See, look at the beauty. Look at this picture right here. Here's what, here's what Joseph couldn't say. Oh, man, this thing is over. My wife has gone and had sex with somebody else. She is pregnant now. This thing is over. And God said, no, it's not over. And the unexpected is about to happen. And what you think is over and what you think is dead. Oh, my goodness. Anybody hearing this? Can you relate this? What you think is over and what you think is dead, God says. He says, I'm about to turn this thing around. I'm about to make it even better than it ever could have possibly been. And it's going to be because of this, this thing, this Jesus that God has put inside of you. That's what, that's what was going to make it better. It's not, about, it's not about who you know, and I don't mean out there in the world or even here in the church. It's not because you had lunch with a pastor yesterday. It's not because you're going to have lunch with the youth pastor tomorrow. It's not because you know you spend all your time with good Christian people. The thing that is going to bring the unexpected into your life is the Jesus that the Holy Spirit has birthed inside of your life. And so like Mary had to, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to embrace Jesus in your life. You know, like, like Rahab, you know, I, I want you to understand this. I, I said, you know, it's not about you being holy, but there are some things you've got to let go of, you've got to walk away from. Rahab couldn't continue to be a prostitute. Amen, Right? You all understand that, right? Is that, was that unexpected? Did I throw that? Out? I mean, she couldn't continue to be a prostitute. She had to lay that aside and say, you know, if I'm going to have this unexpected good begin happening in my life, I'm going to have to quit doing some things, and not just not just say, God, please deliver me from the mess I'm in, so I'm going to make another one. No, Jesus said, don't go sin anymore, or a worse thing might come upon you. He said, stay away from that stuff, and and, and Ruth. She walked away from every single thing. And you may say, well, it all died. No, it didn't. She still had a mom and a dad. She probably had uncles and aunts or cousins or, or other people. Probably had brothers that she could have moved into their house. I mean, that's the way they took care of one another back in those days. She had, But she turned around and walked completely away from it so that God could give her the fullness that she needed in her life. Just like Mary. She had to walk completely away from all of that, knowing that she was going... She had to risk all of this. Her firstborn was going to be bor- born there without her mom and her dad and family around. And I know you say, well, what choice did she have? The Caesar was in- insisting. It was a rule. They had to go. It was a decree, and they had to go. What choice? Did- she could have had an abortion. She could have had an abortion and say, well, I'm going to wait for this first child to be born when I'm at home. I'm going to do this thing my way. Now, I'm not really preaching against abortion right here, even though I am against abortion. I'm preaching against spiritual abortion right here. Because, you know, you could look at that and say, well, that's not really a choice. You got the Son of God inside of you, and you would think about aborting it so that your plan would work out. You say, that's not really a choice, is it? Hey, hey can you look in the mirror for just a moment? And can you, can you understand the, the, the foolishness of how we abort the process of when God begins to bring good things in our life? And, and we look around and say, wait a minute, this isn't working out the way I thought it was going to work out. I've been praying for my husband to get saved and he's been getting meaner. That happens, ladies. Let me tell you. You start praying. You got a husband that's not living for God. You start praying for God to start working on him. He's going to get fidgety. He's going to get edgy. He's going to get irritated. You start praying for your parents' kids to get saved. Let me tell you something. It might get worse before it gets better, and and if, and if you're not careful, this Jesus that is being that is being created in you, and that is being that has been conceived in you, and, and is about to be birthed in your home and in your life. If you're not careful, you can abort it and throw it all away. But you need to do what what Mary did, and she said, "If I have to lose everything else, I am not losing this baby. I am embracing this thing that God has conceived in my life. It's 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 the it's the legacy. It's the promise. It's the future." It's the hope. It's the blessing. It's, it's all the goodness of what God wants to do for me. And no matter what I have to let go of, walk away from, and no matter what bad comes to me, I am not losing this thing. We have, if, if we want to have the good unexpected in our life, then we have to embrace Jesus above everything else. He has to become number one. Now, there was an angel that spoke to Joseph and told him these two things. There was also an angel that had to speak to Mary. Now, ladies, you know, if you'd have been you know, 14, 15 years old, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, you know that you hadn't been with a man, and you've become pregnant, you got some questions, don't you? Well, this young lady would have too, but God didn't wait for her to find out. God sent the angel early to speak to her. And he he told her a few things. Here's the first one. He says, uh, uh, the angel said to Mary that, you know, you're going to conceive, you're going to give birth to a child. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I did not know a man? And that's in the, sometimes we say the biblical sense of knowing a man. Some some of the versions versions of the Bible say, how can this be because I'm a virgin? You know, and it's really interesting to me, really interesting to me that, Mary does exactly what you and I do. When God tells us, I want to do something great in your life, what do we do? We look at who we are and say, can't be. (laughs) That's what you said. You can't do this to me. Look at who I am. I don't have a husband. I don't have a family. You you, you can't do this thing to me. God, you can't be this good to me. Look at who I am. Can I tell you something else that may be unexpected to you? It's probably not. But you know, your your next good, unexpected thing that's gonna happen to you is not in your past, it is in your future. You see, because everything about your future is it's not unexpected anymore. I mean, you look back at it, right? But your future is all the unexpected. Every blessing, every promise, every good thing that can happen to you from now till then. It's in your future. I mean, there is nothing for you to look back in your past. So we just talked about walking away from some things. We just talked about, hey, i got to get forgiveness over some stuff. I can't you know, just continue in this sin that I've been. But you know what? Deal with that, okay? You need to deal with that. If you've got somebody to apologize to in this building, deal with that today, right now, before you get out the store. If there's somebody in your life you need to to straighten something out with, go straighten it out this afternoon. Make a cell phone call. I mean, there's no excuse today. I mean, you got 14 ways to get in touch with somebody anywhere in the world today, you know? I mean, there's no excuse. Go straighten it out. Work it out. But once it's worked out, put it in the past and forget about it. You will never achieve your next great blessing from God looking at your past and saying, God, you can't do this for me because of where I've been, who I am. And, the, and, and what she was saying is because of the lack of what I've had, in my, I've not had a man. And you can say, well, God, you can't do this for me because I've not, I've not had this relationship with you that I need to have. And you can, and you, you can uh, challenge God and you can actually shut it down and you can abort the process before the process begins. If you continue to look to your past and if you've asked Jesus Christ, into your life and to forgive you of your sin, don't look at the past anymore. It's under the blood. It's washed away. If you got, Like I said, if you got somebody you need to apologize, go apologize to them and then forget it. Walk away from it. Quit. Don't worry about it anymore. You've got to get out of your past and you've got to start walking your future if you want to see the good unexpected begin happening in your life. Otherwise, you're going to even, listen, this is what happens with Christians all over the world. I've pastored them all of my ministry life. Is they get saved. They get their name written in that book up in heaven that God says this record that He's got. They get their name written and and they've got eternity just planned out for them. They are set. They are going to heaven. They are delivered from a devil's hell. They they have no more condemnation from God about their sin in their life. Yet because they're living in their past, Because they can't let go of all the mistakes they've made. And they live with this in their heart and their spirit. They can never ever reach the blessings that God wants to give in their future. People are coming to church this morning all over this world. And standing in the presence of God. And yet still in their heart thinking, but it can't happen to me. Because of where I've been. And you know what you're doing when you're saying that, you're saying that the blood of Jesus Christ is not powerful enough. You're not saying that you've been too bad. You've been saying his blood is not strong enough. You need to believe in the efficacy, the, 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 the complete and total power and ability of the blood of Jesus Christ to totally wipe away your past and forgive your sin. And today you need to start walking in your future. And look to what, some of you, you say your finances can never be because. My family can never be because. My my, my, my relationships can never be because. There is, there is nothing that the power of the blood of Jesus cannot do for you. You need to accept that today and understand and walk. One last thing I want to point out to you, and it's still in the book of Luke, this is this, this is what happened after the angel came and spoke to Mary. It says, having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. This, or this is the beginning of when the angel came in and spoke. Rejoice, highly favored the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What I want to point out to you here is I want to point out to you what the angel didn't say. The angel didn't say, Rejoice, perfect one. Now, I've thrown this in for the last two sermons just a little bit. But I want to say this. I want to say that the unexpected thing is that God's not looking for perfect people. Some of you ladies need to just nudge your husband and say, well, there's still hope for you then. <laughs> He's not looking for perfect people. And you know what? That means all of us. There's hope for every, every one of us. The angel didn't say, Mary, you're perfect, and that's why you're going to be God's mother, the son of God's mother. That's not what the angel said. The angel said, you are highly favored. Not perfect, but highly favored. You don't have to be perfect. Thank God. I've got got more days. I don't don't know. I started to say I've got more days that I've been imperfect than I have that I've been perfect. I don't know if I've lived a perfect day. I really don't know. And I'm not talking about necessarily in sin, but just doing it all right. I'm I'm sure every day that I've lived, I've disappointed God in some way. Maybe not in a great sin, but maybe sometimes that, you know, just didn't read the Word or didn't spend enough time with Him. Or I turned my eyes and averted my attention from someone in need right there beside me. I doubt there's been a day that I've lived a perfect day. You know, maybe, maybe that day after I had knee surgery and they had me drugged up, you know, and I didn't really know what was going on. I don't think I've lived a perfect day, but you know what? Here's the good news. You don't have to. His grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every morning. Why would His mercies need to be new every morning if we get perfect once He wipes away all of our past? His mercies are new every morning. That means that if you're imperfect today, and you're probably going to be. You're probably going to miss it somewhere. His mercies are new again today. You're not going to be perfect. But there was something in this woman. There was something in this woman that was different. I mean there was something that made her stand out in the crowd, not to us. We would have looked at her and said, "You know, Mary?" But God said, "Mary." And you know what God's looking at you today and he called in your name and said, "Yep, you. You're the one. You're the one I can use. You're the one I can bless." What is what was it about Mary? I want to read. I want to read you what happened uh, after the angel finished telling Mary all this. Mary went to see her, her, her uh, cousin Elizabeth, and and Mary. I mean, uh, the Book of Luke chapter one. I mean it's it's like a it's like a Christmas musical. I mean everybody sings in Luke chapter one, and Mary sings too. And I want I want to won't you read with me right here. I want to read to you. Mary's song that she just bursts out in. And I mean, you know, you ever watched a musical on TV or, or maybe you've gone to a, a musical play, you know, a, a, you know, like off-Broadway or something, and, and you say, and you think, this is crazy. Nobody would ever do this. They did back in those days. I mean, they just burst out in the song and just start singing. I mean, you know, we lock people up, you know, these days if you just start doing stuff like that. I mean, you know, but she did this. And look, look, what she, look what she wrote. She just wrote all of a sudden, she said, Mary said, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. You know what strikes me about this song? Is that somebody that knows God. That's not somebody that met him when the angel showed up a few moments ago what it tells me is what God saw about this person, this, this, this woman, this peasant girl, Mary, was he found somebody that already had it. Didn't have what the world was looking for, but had what he was looking for. And, and I really intended on spending a lot of time talking to you here at the end about integrity. I kind of blew that a couple of weeks ago when I talked about integrity. I kind of blew one of my illustrations there, but i just felt more and more and more this word instead of integrity this week. I've been thinking this word and it is sincerity. Sincerity. There have been times I wish I could tell you I wish I didn't have to say it this way let me say it that way I wish I didn't have to say it this way there have been times when my integrity has been lacking. And I felt God just rush right in and just pick me up in the middle of my mistakes and errors and sin and just turn me right back around, set me back on my feet and say, it's all forgiven, let's go on. And I look at that and say, why God, why? And then I've looked at other people, you know, maybe that have done not near as bad as some of the things I think I've done. And it's like God's not there for them. And God's spoken to me and he's spoken this to me many times and it's about sincerity. There have been times when my integrity hasn't been there, but my sincerity has been there. There have been times when I've stumbled. There have been times when I've failed. There have been times when I've misstepped or misspoke. But I remember preaching a funeral about three years ago now. Not quite three years ago now. Preaching his, preaching his funeral, and God, God shared... Had shared something with me that some time ago that I'd used for this funeral, and it was about the difference in David and Saul. Remember King David and King Saul? You know, and man, I know a whole lot more about David's mess-ups than I do about Saul's mess-ups. But it's like David was God's man. And, and what, what was what was the difference? What was what was the reason? You know, it almost looks like God's playing favorites. But there was one clue in that verse that says. But David was a man after God's own heart. It was sincerity. And then I had a preacher share with me one day. An older preacher share with me. He said every time, the difference in Saul and David is they both fell on their face. But every time David got up, he was facing God. He got up looking toward where my help comes from. He got up anxious to work. It was sincerity. God's God's not looking for perfect. He's looking for sincere. Somebody needs something today. Somebody needs hope, promise, blessing. Somebody needs their next good expected to happen this week. God's just looking for sincerity. Stand with me. Let's come to the front. Let's close this. I got one more little thing I want to share with you when you get here. So come on down front. Squeeze on in if you will. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you. That might have been the most surprising thing, unexpected thing that you've heard in this whole series is of what the person next to you just said. There's hope for you. No matter how bad. There's awesome hope for you. Let me tell you how great our God is. Let me tell you how much his mercy is. Let me tell you how, how, how deep his love and his grace reaches. You know that rule they, they had? Now, they've, they've, they've been it a few times uh, recently, I, I understand. But the post office used to have this rule. They wouldn't put live people on stamps. You had to be dead to get your picture on a stamp. And, you know, they don't, they don't do that with money either, you know. And one of the reasons is because you don't really know what that person's going to do tomorrow. You honor them with a big stamp or their picture on a piece of money, and then tomorrow they go out and really blow it. I mean, you think about some of, some of these colleges around, I hope they've not named a whole lot of buildings after some of, the, some of these guys that are we're finding out about them because I mean, they're having to go stra- scratch some names out. And so, you know, if God were to play it safe, you know what he'd do? He'd say, look, I'm going to brag on you. I'm going to fix you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a great blessing when you die because I ain't really sure how you're going to live next week. You know, it, he could have done that with Mary. He said, look, Mary, I'm a, here's what I'm going to have to do with you because I'm just not sure. But He can't do that, can he? He had to choose Mary while she was alive. He, he took a risk on choosing Mary, he, he took, but he took someone with a sincere heart that he had to believe that no matter how much she messes up, she's going to keep trying. You know, God doesn't have the same rule that the post office does. God will brag on you today. God will pour a blessing on you today. God will rescue you this week from the mess you made last week. And he will do it, and he will, he, will, he will be glad for you to go out these doors and call yourself Christian, you know, having the name of Jesus Christ, like wearing, you know, wearing your jersey and having the name Jesus Christ on the back of, you know, back of your shirt. He's proud of you to do that because of his mercy. He knows you might be, your integrity might, might lack a little bit tomorrow. But if you're sincere, he doesn't care so much about that. What he cares about is that when you fail, if you fail tomorrow, when you get up, you're facing him. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's just deal with all these things we've talked about for these last three weeks. Let's let's deal with some things. Let's say, God, you know, I've got some got some mess in, in my future in my past. God, I've got some got some mistakes Lord I've got some sin I've got some things I need to apologize for some things I need to straighten out with you and with some other people God I ask you Lord forgive us come on let's deal with some of those things right now God there are too many to name There there are too many to count Lord there are too many to handle right here individually but God we just come to you with all of our sin God all of our past and all of our mistakes God we ask you though Lord would you would you would you have confidence in our sincerity today God that we're sincere about this God, would you start building? Would you start? Would you start bringing to pass that great legacy that you have planned longer than I've been alive? God, there's some people standing here. Jamie, go ahead, please. Jamie's going to lead us in the final song. Don't start singing till finish praying. God, there's some people.